Conestee, how are ye? Welcome to another episode of the Candlelit Tales podcast. This month we are delving into superstitions and in this series we'll look at all of the Irish or some of the Irish superstitions that make a great story. This podcast is proudly sponsored and supported by Patreon and all the people who've donated on our PayPal link via our website, candlelittales.ie or patreon.com forward slash candlelittales if you want to throw in a few bob. Now for the superstition story. Sorica is going to start us off with the story of the little man. Sorica, tell us a tale. Billy McDaniel's main concern in life was very simple, but not very easy. A difficult problem indeed. And one that took up pretty much all of his time. And it was always the same problem. When he didn't have a drink in his hand, all his thoughts were bent on how he was going to get one there. And when he did have a drink in his hand, all his thoughts went to who was going to pay for it and why it wasn't going to be him. And as soon as there was no drink in his hand again, he would circle back to the first problem of how he was going to get another drink into his hand. It might have made life a little repetitive, but Billy liked it that way. Now there was one night when the problem, the eternal problem, had proved a little trickier to crack than usual. There were few enough people left who would stand Billy McDaniel a drink. All of them knew he wasn't going to be putting his hand in his pocket. And Billy was beginning to despair. In fact, he was walking home in the middle of the night when he saw a tiny, twisted little figure wearing a red coat standing near the middle of the crossroads. And the little twisted figure said to him, Will you have a drink, Billy McDaniel? And Billy said yes, without even stopping to consider it. And the little twisted man in the red coat, he passed Billy up a pint of something. Billy wasn't sure what it was, but it tasted sweet as wine and it burned as strong as whiskey. And he drank it down in three long gulps. And then the little man said, And how are you going to be paying for that drink? And Billy said, Why am I going to be paying for the drink? I could just pick you up and put you in my pocket. So small. And with that, the little man grew fierce. He stamped his little feet. And he said, no, you have accepted a gift from me and now you owe me. 
You will be my servant for seven years, and your service begins tomorrow night, and you will come and meet me at the three-cornered field by the fort. And with that, the little man in the red coat vanished, and Billy was left standing on the road, feeling very much as if he had done something very stupid. The next night there was nothing for it but to go to the three-cornered field by the fort. He was fairly sure in the cold light of day that the little man was one of the good people and it would be a terrible idea to insult one of the good people by not fulfilling your end of the bargain and Billy tried not to think about seven years and service and what that might mean and what might be asked of him he went to the three-cornered field by the fort. And the little man in the red coat was there. And he said, well, Billy, you will find me a good and kind and indulgent master as long as you do as you're told. And your tasks will not be so hard as all that. And the first thing I want you to do is go and fetch the horses. Billy said, what? Horses. And the little man pointed to the rushes that grew in the stream near the bottom of the three-cornered field. And he told Billy to go and pull up two of them. Billy felt foolish, but he did as he was told. And he brought back two big rushes to the little red man. And the little man swung his leg over one of them and shouted, Borum, Borum, Borum. And then he was astride a horse. And he called out to Billy to stop messing around, get up on his horse. Billy swung his leg over the rush in his hand and said, Borum, Borum, Borum. And he was astride a horse. He hadn't paid attention to what way he was holding the reed, though, so he was facing the wrong way on the horse. And the little man applied his whip to the side of his horse, and the two of them raced across the countryside, and Billy had to hold on to his horse's tail for dear life for fear of falling off, and they galloped through the night. He had no idea where they were going, even if he'd been looking the right way. The night was dark. And they did not follow any roads. They galloped across fields and leapt over walls and over streams and through forests with twigs whipping the backs and sides of his head. At last, he was winded and terrified and felt he had almost fallen off at every lurch the horse had given. Finally, they came to a halt. They came to a halt outside a great house. And the little man got off his horse and cried out to Billy to do the same. The house was shut up and sleeping, but it was clearly occupied. Billy began to get nervous. The little man led him to the keyhole and said, Listen now, listen closely. 
and he let out a string of words that Billy had never heard before, slippery syllables that didn't quite catch in his mind. And the little man shrank down and was able to slip in through the keyhole. And Billy found that he could remember the words just long enough to repeat them, but after that they left, sliding out between his lips and gone into the dark. And he was standing inside the moonlit hall of the great house, looking around him, terrified that he was going to knock something or step too heavy, wake the people of the house. But the little man was there in front of him and beckoned Billy on with one long, crooked finger. Each door they came to, the little man let out those same liquid syllables and Billy was able to catch on to them long enough to say them again and so they passed through each and every keyhole in the great house until they came to their destination. Which was the wine cellar. And the little man went straight for a shelf of wine, pulled off a bottle, pulled out the cork and applied himself with dedication to drinking as much as he possibly could. And he called to Billy to do the same. Billy didn't need to be told twice. He pulled out a bottle of wine, he pulled the cork out with his teeth and he applied himself to the job. And he and the little twisted man, they got good and twisted together in the cellar of that dark house. For the first time in his life, Billy had all the drink he could want. And he didn't let it slow him down. The little man had a ferocious thirst. It was incredible the volume he could put away in such a small, twisted, dried up looking husk of a body. Billy did his best to keep up for the first few rounds, but realised pretty quickly that there was no chance. Big and strong as he was, as dedicated to the craft of drinking as much as possible as he was, he was no match for the little man, the twisted little man in the red coat, who'd never given Billy his name, and never would. He was one of the good folk, all right. Now this became the rhythm of the nights of Billy McDaniel. Every night to the three-cornered field. Every night to pull up two rushes. Every night to cry borum, borum, borum. So that the rushes turned into horses. Every night to gallop to some new place. Fine manor houses and stately homes and even castles. They found their way into the wine cellars of all of them. Billy got to know the taste of the wines of all the great houses in Ireland, better than any butler ever would. And he had what had until this time in his life been his fondest wish. He had all he could drink, every night. And he found strangely that he was not as content as he might have imagined sitting in those dark gloomy cellars 
with that strange, twisted little figure, drinking steadily, gulping back fine wines and strong brandies and ports, the wealth of it trickling down their throats. But there was little enough conversation between them. What had they to talk about? There were no stories told, there was no music playing, there was no laughter. And by day, Billy slept most of the day, but when he did chance to see another human soul, he felt as if there was a distance between him and them, as if he was standing on the edge of a great gulf, and they were far away on the other side. What could he tell them? How could he tell them? How are you, Billy? Grand, yeah, just running around with my magical fairy boss, drinking wine out of cellars that I stole, that I'd be hanged if anyone found out about, but nobody will, because we're getting in by magic and getting there by riding on reeds that we turns into horses. With a magic word that doesn't work. Uh, in the daytime unless the little man is there apparently tried it no one would believe him they'd think he was mad he felt like he might be mad with no one there to tell him otherwise no company really except for the strange twisted little old man but he went on in this way for some time. His nights filled with drinking. His days filled with nothing but waiting for the night and the drinking to start again. And then one day, or one night, in the three-cornered field, well, the little fellow was in high spirits. And he said to Billy, it's my birthday. I'm a thousand years old. And Billy said, Congratulations. And the little man said, I mean to celebrate. Now, they'd been celebrating, as far as Billy could tell, for well over a year at this point. So he wasn't sure what the little fella had in mind. But he was soon enlightened. There's a wedding feast. There's a wedding feast going on this night. And the bride, the bride, she's not well protected. She's going to be my bride. We're going to go. We're going to wait for the moment. And then we're going to take her. And then, well, you know, there'll be three of us. Meeting each night in the three-cornered field. Maybe she can fetch the horses, give you a little rest. Fine little wife for myself. Billy found himself ill at ease with the thought of this. And and what does she think about that? <laughs> She'll get used to it. But he didn't know how to explain himself to the little twisted man. And so he went and he got the reeds, he got the horses. And they jumped up on them and 
This time they didn't go very far, they... They went across the country only a few miles. And they came to a house. Not a grand, beautiful, stately manor house. Just a... An ordinary house. With ordinary people. With their ordinary lives. Kind of people that used to be Billy's people. But he could see, even from the outside, there was a wedding feast going on. He could hear the music and the laughter spilling out. And you could see the warm lights lit up inside. The warm glow of the place thrown out into the dark, cold night where Billy was standing with his master. They crept inside by their usual trick. And the little man squatted down into the rafters, unseen by anyone below. And Billy whisked up there beside him by the little man's slippery words. He tried to tuck himself into the roof beams, the same as the little man, but his legs dangled down below him like a stork's. No one in that company looked up. They were all too busy talking to each other celebrating. There was drink at the table, sure enough. Billy saw them doing something he hadn't done in what felt like a very long time. Making toasts. Clinking their glasses together. Throwing them back with a laugh and a smile and a joke. Ripples of laughter. And then a roar. And somebody telling a joke. Somebody else Telling a story. Music from the corner. And there at the head of the table. The young bride. And the young groom. And you could tell by looking at them, even from Billy's odd perch. The way they looked at each other constantly. The way their hands were always on each other's. The way they leaned into each other. The way they checked on each other. Every moment. If he laughed, the first thing he'd do, instinctively it seemed, would be to cast his eye to her to see if she laughed too. They were so attentive to each other. They were so attuned to each other. They were so in love with each other. And Billy could see. He couldn't help but notice the difference between them. This little, twisted, wizened, old man. Not a man. A creature. His face dried up as a raisin. Wearing the same tatty red coat he'd been wearing every night since Billy met him. Perched up there in the rafters. Leering down at this girl. This young girl who couldn't have been more than 19 or 20 in her pretty blue dress blushing at her young groom beside her and how tall she was and how fresh-faced and how young she was and how full of life and full of love and Billy thought of her then going every night on horseback some dark, dusty mansion, sitting in a cellar, while her wizened old husband drank, 
That was no place. There was no place for anyone. Least of all, a girl like that. But Billy watched his master. This creature he'd bound himself to. And he saw the little man was watching. Waiting for something. He couldn't tell what it was. But then the bride, she sneezed. That's not so strange. But no one said bless you. They were all waiting for the priest to say it. But the priest, and he had his mouth full at the time. So he didn't say bless you. Nobody wanted to say it before the priest could say it. And then the moment passed. Something else happened. Their attention was distracted. And the little man, the little man perked right up, sat right forward. And a little while later, well, there was a bit of a commotion. The fiddler was kicking up a great tune and everyone was laughing and clapping along. And the bride, she sneezed again, but it was such a little of a sneeze. Nobody noticed. Nobody said, bless you. The little man leaned forward, eager now. Once more, once more, and I'll have her. Billy watched in horror. A third time, the bride sneezed. And Billy, from the rafters, cried out, Bless you! The music stopped playing. Everyone looked up in astonishment to see a man and another little wizened man perched up in the rafters watching the feast. The little man cursed at Billy. You've robbed me, Billy McDaniel, and I tell you now, you'll get no good of it. No drop of drink will pass your lips from this day to the day you die. And with that, the little man vanished. Billy McDaniel never saw him again. He tumbled out of the rafters. He couldn't keep his balance anymore with everyone craning up to look at him. He fell right in the middle of the wedding feast. It took them a while till they got the story out of their strange guest. But when they did, well, the young groom was overcome with thankfulness. The the young bride was white as a sheet at the thought of the fate she had so narrowly escaped. But there were congratulations and there were thanks and there were hand presses and there were hugs and there was all kinds of warmth poured onto Billy McDaniel. And he was seated down at the table and he was served up a portion of the wedding feast and the parents of the bride and groom couldn't get enough of Billy McDaniel and they wanted to hear his story and they wanted to hear it again and Billy he ate his fill he told his story strange as it was he had them all laughing at the barum barum and riding the horse backwards but when he went to pick up a glass and toast the health of the bride and groom he suddenly felt 
powerful revulsion. He put it back down again. And from that day until the day he died, Billy McDaniel, he never wanted for company. He was always around people. And often the people had a few drinks. But not for Billy. Not till the day he died. Gaurav Mila Mahagat Suraka. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this story of the little man. If you want to know where Suraka got that story, the links are below and we'll be talking about this show and this story and the rest of the season stories in the post-show chat that'll be coming out on the 31st as a special. We linked up with Anthony Murphy from Mythical Ireland and we're really looking forward to sharing that chat with you very soon. Now we'll be having more stories, Bridget Cleary coming next and another story of the band She, all before on the Ahauna and just before all of our live gigs and live shows, which will be in Slane Distillery, in Whelan's, in Awanmaka, in Navan, and of course in Drada for the Puka Festival. So we're really looking forward to that. Go online, candletales.ie, to check out our live gigs and when we're going to be back. And, you know, drop us a line or follow us on the social medias. Thank you for listening and see you next time.